brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Has Christ, oops, I skipped a line. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And I read from Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. 
but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. We're celebrating this as Heritage Sunday. I want to focus today on our plea for unity. It all begins with Paul's pleas in his letters. I could have chosen any number of Paul's writings, and I could have chosen John, where Jesus talks about all part of one body. But for our purposes this morning, I have chosen two. First, I bring up the Corinthians text. Paul had learned that the church in Corinth had divisions. He wants to know if they had divided Christ when they say, I belong to Paul, I belong to Apollos, I belong to Cephas, who was Peter, I belong to Christ, then he wants to know, was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Second, I bring up the Ephesian text. While Paul is in prison in Rome, he has learned of the divisions at the church at Ephesus. He begs them to lead a life worthy of the calling to which they have been called. He said that they have been called to lead this life with all humility, gentleness, patience, and love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He also reminds him that there is one body and one Spirit, just as they were called to one hope of their calling. He, in addition, reminds them that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. So, our ancestors in the faith use these passages and others to develop their strong push for unity. Their beliefs were also influenced by the divisions they experienced themselves. They have several ancestors, we have several ancestors in the faith, but I'm primarily going to talk about Thomas and Alexander Campbell. Thomas Campbell is the first influence. He was born a Catholic in Ireland in 1763. He was greatly influenced by his father, Archibald Campbell. The family were very devout. They had prayers every morning and prayers and singing of hymns in the evening. The family became Anglican when England broke from the Catholic Church. Archibald was fond of saying, according to the Act of Par Parliament, Thomas was a school teacher. There was no public school where he lived. Thomas taught in his home. 
he was encouraged to take theological training and become a preacher. By that time, the family had moved to Scotland. Thomas decided that the Presbyterian church was the best fit for him, but it was not quite that simple. The Presbyterian church had split six ways. All were combinations of burger, anti-burger, and seceder, anti-seceder. Burger was the belief that the local mayors should pledge allegiance to the crown. Of course, anti-burger was those who believed that they should not. Anti-seceder was the belief that the Presbyterian hierarchy should appoint pastors to parishes. Seceders believed that each parish should call their own pastor. Thomas Campbell became an anti-burger seceder Presbyterian pastor because he felt that it gave him the most freedom. In 1807, he moved to the United States and settled in Pennsylvania because he felt that he would have more freedom in this country. He left his family in the care of Alexander, who was the oldest child and only 19 at the time. Thomas soon learned that his dream of Christian unity was no easier in this country. Some of the old ideas had been carried over from the old country. He could not even unite Presbyterians on the American frontier. He lost his pulpit for allowing communion and offering it to the wrong kind of Presbyterians. One of his greatest contributions to unity was his publication of the Declaration and Address in 1809. This document was an appeal for Christian unity based on a common core of evangelical commitments. In 1909, his descendants in the faith celebrated the centennial of this document with a large gathering in a stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio. In 2009, we celebrated the bicentennial with community-wide gatherings of the three streams of the Thomas Campbell descendants in faith. I understand that this congregation participated in such an event here in Lafayette. Alexander Campbell is the second influence. Alexander was born in Ireland in 1788. His early education was given by his father, Thomas. By the age of 16, he was able to assist his father in educating local children in his home school. As mentioned earlier, he was given the task of bringing his family to America. The first attempt failed when the ship ran aground in a storm just two hours from leaving port. He had, they had to return to Scotland. Since there were no sh more ships leave, leaving for America until the next year, 
Alexander spent the time studying at the University of Glasgow. While there, he had an experience which helped him decide to champion unity. In order to be able to receive communion, he was forced to undergo an examination to be sure that he qualified for the correct understanding of that branch of the Presbyterian Church. He passed the examination and received the token as proof. But when he approached the communion table, he threw down the token and walked out in disgust. His opinion was that the church doctrines related more to creeds, man-made creeds, than to scripture. In 1809, at the age of 21, he was successful in getting the family to America. The ship, however, docked in New York City rather than Philadelphia. So he hired a wagoner to take them to Washington, Pennsylvania, where dad was. By 1810, Alexander had finished theological school, been ordained, married, and baptized by immersion, and in that order. When his first child was born, a daughter, he had to decide whether to continue the infant baptism of his former faith. After searching the scripture, he found no trace of it in the New Testament. So he did not baptize his baby daughter, and all the adults in the family were immersed in a nearby creek called Brush Run. Alexander decided that he would receive no compensation for his preaching. Don't let that give you any ideas. But to help him decide that, he married a rich girl. Alexander took over the reins of the leadership of his father after he coming to America. Let's think about the journey to unity or for unity. The Campbells tried to unify the Presbyterian Church in America. In so doing, they wrote the last will and testament of the Springfield Presbytery. This document declared the Springfield Presbytery of the Presbyterian Church to be dissolved. In its place, they established what is called the Restoration Movement. This movement was an effort to restore the New Testament church in faith and practice. The object was to make the church as much like the church in the New Testament as possible. There was an attempt to unite with the Redstone Baptists, but after a few years, that relationship dissolved. For many years, we've had the Council on Christian Unity with headquarters in our national office in Indianapolis. We have held talks with the American Baptists back when I was growing up. We have negotiations with the United Church of Christ. Merger did not happen with the UCCs, but what did happen, we now have joint mission ministry in some regions, camping is done jointly. 
and there is dual recognition of ministerial standing, which means I could do an interim in a UCC church and a UCC minister could do an interim in a disciple church. Disciples were a part of the consultation on church union. When churches uniting in Christ replaced COCU, we became a part of that effort too. Our efforts in unity have had mixed results. The greatest success in unity was in 1832 when the followers, followers of the Campbells and the followers of Barton W. Stone united. The worst has been two separations within the Stone-Campbell movement. The group which is called the Churches of Christ was listed by the Census Bureau as a separate entity in 1906. Their two main disagreements with the disciples are use of missionary societies and use of instrumental music in worship. After all, the New Testament doesn't mention it. There's plenty mentioned in the Old Testament, but we're a New Testament church. But in general, this group saw the disciples as moving too far away from the practices of the New Testament. The second group is known as the Christian Church, Churches of Christ. This group has three main controversies that developed over a long period of time. First, the theological development, modernism and liberalism. Second, the development of the ecumenical movement, which led to the Federal Council of Churches and then to the National Council of Churches, and therefore recognized the legitimacy of denominations. Third is the issue of open membership. That is accepting people who have been baptized into membership, uh, not by immersion, but by some other means. The disciples adopting the provisional design in 1968 sealed the separation. The disciples were then viewed as a denomination. The third group, of course, is us. Since 1968, we have been known as the Christian Church, in parentheses, Disciples of Christ, parentheses closed, in the United States and Canada. Long name. The legacy we have received from our forefathers in the faith includes, we do not accept man-made creeds. That gives us the privilege to study the scriptures as anyone else and come to our own conclusions. Secondly, open communion. All who believe and accept that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, are welcome to receive communion. And lastly, our forefathers in the faith have passed on to us the opportunity and responsibility to select our own pastors. Amen. Our hymn of commitment is number 357. If you're here this morning and want to make that commitment, 
please come. Please stand as we sing. <laughs>